0: The Radiant Podcast is a proud member of the Converge Podcast Network, and I want to give a quick shout out to our underwriting ministry partner, First 15. To get deeper into God's Word today, visit first15.org forward slash converge. Now onto today's show. Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation, not to mention we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. And this week we have my friend Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith joining us. Dr. Sandra is an author, speaker, and internal medicine physician. And today she's here to talk all about rest. Now we'll be talking about rest in the traditional sense, but also spiritual rest, emotional rest. Guys, there are seven different types of rest we'll be covering, and I think we will all Find this conversation timely. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time actually resting. So I'm so excited to learn from Dr. Sandra today and have her on for a conversation that we can all benefit from. So I don't want to keep you here any longer. Let's dive in. Hi, Sandra. Hi. It is so good to have you on today. And as we were talking before this, so timely. I would love for you to start by introducing yourself and
1: sharing your story, what you do, what you're about these days. Absolutely. Well, I'm a board certified internal medicine physician. Um, I've been in practice for the past 20 years near the Birmingham, Alabama area. I'm a mom of two boys. They're both teens now. That's hard to believe. And married to um, my husband, Bobby, for this is our 20th year anniversary this year in December. Um, Really, my story began with just a love of science and medicine. I can't recall wanting to be anything other than a physician growing up. And I really feel that started with um, just how I was born into the world. My, My mother died soon after childbirth. So I, I entered the process of looking at life and death, I think, a little bit different than most kids my age, because it was such a huge part of my story. And particularly with, with her her death, there were very few answers about what happened, a lot of kind of like unknowns. And so I think for me, medicine was kind of a way of really better understanding Um, that whole process of, you know, what happens in the hospital. And I never, I've always thought about it as I never wanted another person to lose a family member and no one to have any Answers, You know, I may not be able to tell you exactly why it happened, but to at least be able to to speak with them and give them some closure. You know, in internal medicine, most of my hospital time is either in the ER or the ICU. So I'm often the person that's there kind of when we get to those tough decisions and those um, difficult moments. And so I'd like just knowing that I have those opportunities to share with people and maybe give them maybe what I feel like I didn't have as a child growing up a little bit of closure in those times. One thing about that is that um, probably about 10 years into practicing, I started getting to a point of burning out. And it's interesting because at that time, really, my life looked great from the outside. I think it's what most people would have, you know, considered to be very successful. Uh, During that time, I had already written um, a book that was doing well. I was in the media. I, you know, had two toddlers at the time. Um, Great house, great car, great job. You know, I was living the dream, so to speak. But it was not a dream life in the least bit in that, you know, it looked great on the outside, but it felt horrible to live. I was burning the candle at both ends. I was exhausted every day. Um, I got into a point where my weight had ballooned up because I was not doing any level of self-care. You know, it was all about grinding and getting things done. I, I consider myself a high achiever. I love setting goals and getting things accomplished. So that's just my normal kind of personality and makeup. But I'd gotten to a point in my life where that was all I was doing. I wasn't spending any time enjoying any of the stuff that I was creating or any of this, you know, the things I was producing. So um, that brought me to a season of looking at what is it that is really important to me? What are my priorities and how do I recover my life? How do I get back to a point of feeling like my life matters and that I'm putting myself and my priorities, you know, in a position of power? rather than feeling as if they were, you know, everything was kind of coming down on me. And I think that's what led me into my current research that I've been doing over the past five years. And that led to my latest book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, um, was that journey of learning about what is rest? What does rest mean to me? What does it look like spiritually? What does it look like scientifically? And what's a practical way to apply Uh, rest in every area of my life. Oh, well,
0: I am so excited to talk about rest today because A, my listeners know I'm not the best at it. Um, It's been a lesson that I've been really learning for the better part of a year. Um, But I would love to start with, okay, when you realized you were burning the candle at both ends, A, what was the defining moment that made you realize like this has to stop? Because it I feel like at least in my own experience, like I'm a compulsive doer. And so I just soldier on, soldier on, soldier on, keep going, keep going until usually something pretty extreme makes me stop or realize like this is not worth it. What what was that for you? And how does someone recognize that they're even doing that at, at, you know, when it's time to make a change?
1: Yeah, well, for me, it was—I uh, it was interesting because you know it was a uh, what I call a regular day. But I recalled that particular day. I picked up the kids from daycare. Like I said they were both under under two at that time. Um, I picked them up from daycare. It have been a regular day at work. You know, I'd been there. It was five thirty ish. So I brought them home, and I knew you know it was going to be another thirty minutes before my husband finishes commute from work. And I set them in front of the TV on that particular day. And I was just exhausted. It was, you know, it was one of those days where I had been busy all day. Um, You know, I hadn't seen my kids other than to wake them up and to get them to daycare. (laughs) And even when I picked them up, I was just like, oh, you know, another responsibility, which was really disturbing to me because these were the children I had prayed for. Pregnancy wasn't easy for me and my husband. It was years, you know, before we we got pregnant the first time. And so it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I've been this is what I had hoped for. Why am I not happy? And why am I not even enjoying, you know, the children that I'd spent all this time praying and hoping for? And I remember setting them in front of the TV. I call her my electronic nanny because I didn't have a nanny, but I needed someone to watch them for for a few minutes and they would sit still, you know, for 20 minutes or so in front of the TV after being in daycare. So I sat them there and I remember just laying out on the hardwood floor in our foyer area and just because I could still see them kind of in the corner of my eye. But, you know, they I, i kind of felt like I was getting my own little space. And at that moment, when I laid on that floor and I was just staring up at the ceiling, I just remember laying there thinking, I can't keep doing this. You know, this isn't the life I signed up for. But, you know, I really had, I think in that moment, realized I may not have signed up for this life, but this is the life I built. You know, I couldn't blame anyone else. And so if it was going to get fixed, it had to start with me taking some ownership of if I built it, then I can rebuild it. And I needed to take a look at what do I need to change? Where did things get out of alignment and how to get this kind of how to get this thing back on track to living the life that I really want?
0: Man, I mean, that I so resonate there of looking around and be like, man, I I built this. So when you kind of realized I built this, it's my responsibility to pivot. How, How do you reprogram how you are? Because I can imagine if you have built this life, these roots of like your way of beating, of building this machine and going all the time, burning at both ends, I'm sure that went way back. So how do you even start to reprogram yourself? Like I know the tagline of sacred dress is recover your life, renew your energy and restore your sanity. Where do you even start with that recovery part?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that's a great question. Uh, because. D- Really, I had to go way back because I had to look at why am I running, you know, running, running, running and refusing to stop rest. It stopped to rest. You know, I had a lot of fears growing up. I think just from the very beginning with the way my living situation was, I grew up with a mindset that if I wanted something, I had to go get it. You know, every blessing had to come from the work of my hand and the sweat of my brow. You know, I never saw I never felt like things came easy. And so I always expected to be grinding out, you know, the blessings in my life. And so rest, to me, threatened that ability to have the things that I wanted. So it was uh, quite a quite a bit of kind of internal hard work that was needed to start getting back to a sense of, you know, other people have good things happen to them that they don't just have to necessarily, you know, beat themselves up to have happen. That yeah. that I'm not, you know, any less deserving because of how I grew up or because I didn't have maybe something someone else have or because my tendencies or my look or whatever may be different. I had to get back to ver- first learning how to really deeply love myself to a point of being able to forgive myself for the thoughts that I'd had that were not true.
0: Ooh. Girl, you are preaching to me today. <laughs> you know, <even laughs> yesterday I was on a call with my therapist and am realizing some pretty judgmental and unkind tendencies I have towards myself, whereas it's been really masked in positivity. And um, you would never know that. I'm not even conscious of it. I think I talk to myself pretty nicely. I typically don't resonate pe- with people who I'm very aware that most people have negative self talk, but have always been like, I don't think I have that, but it's just been masked in positive. It's just come in different ways and really high standards I hold myself to that I would never hold anyone else to. I mean, it is quite a season of me learning to be kinder to myself. So I, I am learning so much already from this conversation. Um, you know, okay. So from there, you, you started doing this self work. How long, like, you know, for the listener trying to figure out, okay, like if I'm even just tipping, touching the tip of the iceberg, noticing I might need to learn to rest. How long was that journey of, of restoration, recovery, renewing? Because, um, you know, at least for me, I probably started this process about a year ago and I still feel in it. Like, I don't feel like I've arrived anyway. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, you know, that's the thing. And, uh, and I hope I don't scare anybody with the truth. But the truth of the matter is, for me, it was like a five year process. And the main reason being is there was no frame of reference. People weren't talking about rest. (laughs) People were talking about sleep. You know, at that time, when this happened in my life, there was this huge thing about sleep revolution. And, you know, we need to get more sleep, and we need to sleep better. And so the This part of me who felt tired all the time and kind of drained, I thought, well, maybe that's the problem. I'm just sleep deprived. So so for a long time, I really worked on that. I worked on, let me just try to get better sleep. Maybe that, you know, if I could get to the core of my body feeling better, it would be easier for my mind and my soul to kind of do this other work that was going on because I wouldn't be so drained. And what I, you know, after about a year of trying that and getting nowhere, that's when it really, and, and honestly, feeling very discouraged because I'm like, if I, you know, how am I going to recover this if I can't get to feeling any better? Um, that's when it took me on really this deep dive in. It can't just be sleep because I'm going to bed every night, sleeping at that time, trying to get up to eight and a half to nine hours. Because I was like, you know, I, I let me try to figure out what, how much I need and I would wake up ex- just as exhausted as when I hit the pillow. And I was asleep the entire time, but still wake up exhausted. And that's when I help. I started thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm drained in some other type of way. Maybe it's not just physically that I'm drained. And so it was a five year process for me, because I then took that time to kind of do what I do. I'm a biochemist by nature. So I kind of dove deep into the science of it, looking at, you know, what part of us are drained in different activities. I started looking at my activities I do in my day, my social life, my family life, my physical activities, you know, my mental activities, my creative activities. And I started breaking down kind of where I was expending energy. And then I started looking at the science and kind of in this and even the scriptures and kind of putting all of this together to take a look at What is the bigger picture of rest here that that I'm not getting? And once I discovered that, that that there were seven different types of rest, that's when the process really changed for me. Because then I, I could focus on, I get it. Today, I was really stressed out over this particular patient where I had to use a lot of emotional and social skills that are above and beyond what I would normally use. So now how do I restore that emotional and social energy I poured out in the office. And once I started doing that process on a regular basis, that self-analysis, that, that rest equals recovery, mind shift, everything changed quickly. It was like within a one year of really getting an understanding of identifying the type of rest I need and then, and then being intentional about focusing on it, It was immediate results. And that's what I love now when I work with people, because I can save them those extra four years of like turmoil, trying to get more sleep when it's not physical rest that they need, but one of the other six types of rest by helping them identify it quickly and then start restoring that particular type of rest.
0: Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'm on the edge of my seat. Can you go through a brief overview of the seven types of rest? One of them being physical, but the other six.
1: Yeah, I'll name them first so that we kind of have all of them listed and then we can kind of go through them if you like um, okay. each of them to kind of go over what they are. The The three that most people are already somewhat familiar with are the physical, mental, and spiritual. Those are are commonly talked about pretty regular now. And the four that are less well-known are the social, emotional, sensory, and creative. And so for many of us, it's those four where we're actually why we're feeling tired if we're waking up after a sound sleep and still feeling drained. We're using energy in those, one of those other four areas where we're not being repleted. Now the physical is easy. You know, that's, um, Mm Physical rest is sleeping and napping, but that's only the passive part of physical rest. Physical rest also has an active component, which does which deals with things like stretching and yoga. It's where um, leisure walking helps because it improves the circulation and the lymphatics in the body. Where things like body fluidity, you know, not being stationary at your desk for prolonged periods of time, all of those things fall under the passive part of physical rest. And so that's important to think about if you are someone who, let's say, you work at a desk all day and you notice you at the beginning of the day you feel great, but by the end of the day, your neck's tight and your legs hurt and your feet are swelling, you know, and you're having all of these other physical complaints that are happening to start looking at ways to get more passive physical rest during your work day so that your body stays in a, a level of fluidity.
0: Okay. Oh man, I'm learning so much. So what what did you find? to be the one you had to work most on? And what do you find aside from you? What do you find your clients and your patients to be most depleted in?
1: Yeah, for me, the two were the two that I had the biggest deficit in were emotional rest and social rest. And, and let me explain that because social rest oftentimes when I mention that people automatically think I'm talking about kind of isolation getting yourself away from other people and it's actually the opposite of that social rest is the rest that we get when we are around people that are life-giving that energize us so everybody in our life is either pulling on us negatively pulling away from our energy pool or they're pouring back into it and the thing is the people who need us most are oftentimes the people who we don't have an option about if we're going to be around. You know, it's our kids, it's our spouse, it's our elderly parents. They're people who need things from us. So they're negatively pulling from our energy. They're not negative people. It's just the nature of the relationship is negatively pulling on our energy because they need things from us. And as adults, it's very easy to get in a situation where you spend all of your time with those people and you kind of push away grown up relationships with people who are just life giving to you. Those positive people who don't want anything from you. They just enjoy being around you and spending time with you and you feel the same about them those relationships kind of get pushed to the side. And so I think it's important to realize that if you pour out a lot socially in your relationships, you need to also have those counter relationships that are pouring back into you.
0: That makes total, total sense. And I can see even seasons where naturally, even my husband and I, after a season of burnout and moving, we naturally just reeled it in and hung out with like our safest four friends all the time. And I think that was just maybe a natural inclination to kind of restoring and replenishing and renewing kind of our spirits in that time.
1: Absolutely. And you and I love that you mentioned with regarding your husband because really in marriages there's a type of social rest that's required for that intimacy to stay fresh and exciting and passionate you know oftentimes couples you know when we fall in love we fall in love face to face and we're now in a generation where we spend a lot of time looking at our gadgets you know we're looking at our eye we're, we may be in the same room with our spouses but our our Attention is toward other things, our iPads, our phones, our laptops, you know, Netflix on the TV. You know, we're looking at all these other things and not actually eye to eye with our spouse. And so, one of the things that I love when I work with clients, particularly those who, you know, their relationships are a little bit strained with their spouses, is one of the things I ask them to do is to spend five minutes each day. Really just eye to eye, asking simple questions. How was your day? And not letting that person get away with fine or, you know, it was okay, but actually letting, giving them space to just be truthful, to have that emotional rest combined with the social rest, to be able to say where, what's going on, to be authentic about where they're at and to be able to, to voice that without the fear of judgment or some type of retaliation or shame that's going to be attached to it.
0: Man, man, that is good because I think even more than me, he naturally wanted to just reel it in and keep it in a very safe inner circle. And I'm like a social butterfly. And I think I was exhausting him and he just needed to rest. (laughs) He's like, I just like, I just want to hang out with these four people in this season. I just don't want to meet a ton of new people. And I'm like, we're in a new state. Let's meet all the people, you know? And he's like, I'm
1: just tired, man. (laughs) Well, that's that's great though because I think the thing is many people don't feel comfortable even voicing that mm-hmm. because couples do, do have a lot of opposites kind of attracting. My husband and I are the same way. I'm I'm all out introvert, <laughs> and he's kind of the person that's like, oh yeah, I met this friend, and uh, oh no, I haven't seen this person in twenty years, but let's go hang out. And I'm like, uh, no, that's not <laughs> a good time to me, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: That is so us. I haven't seen this person in 20 years, but let's hang out.
1: (laughs) You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network, and now a message from a network supporter. State Farm, habla Daniela. Hola Daniela,
0: soy José. ¿Te acuerdas que mi auto nuevo venía con mil detectores? ¿Alarmas, cámaras, sensores, de todo? Claro. Bueno, eh, le faltó el detector de canciones que me gustan en la radio. Uh-huh. Me emocioné cantando, me distraje y choqué una columna cuando parqueaba. Oh.
1: Tranquilo, aquí estamos para ayudarte. No canto más, te prometo. Elige a quien esté aquí para ayudar a que la vida vaya bien. Habla hoy con un agente de State Farm.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truth of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about sponsoring what God is up to on The Radiant Podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians feel closer to God is through their first 15 devotional. First 15 is designed to help you spend the first 15 minutes of your day experiencing God through meaningful devotional, scripture, worship, and prayer. Grow closer to God this year. You can sign up to get the First 15 email devotional sent directly to your inbox at first15.org slash subscribe or start your day off with the First 15 devotional podcast anywhere you listen. So can you tell us a little bit what spiritual rest looks like? Because I think that's one of the things to go first, at least for me. I mean, there are some people that are really good at always prioritizing that. But I'll tell you, the busier I get, the easier it is to let that fall by the wayside. And so what did it look like to reincorporate spiritual rest into your life? I mean, maybe you didn't let it slip. I certainly have. So what does that look like for someone? Because I I think that's probably one of my biggest personal challenges, even though it's maybe one of the most important forms of rest. I literally just, it's the first thing to go in a busy day.
1: I agree that. And that's really what had happened with me as well. You know, I, I considered myself, well, when I was looking at the types of rest, that wasn't one that I thought that I was deficient in at all because, you know, I went to church every Sunday and I felt yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm staying connected, you know, spiritually. But for me, it had become more of a ritual and a routine and less about relationship. And mm-hmm. so spiritual rest is really having a relationship with God, a relationship with the holiness of, of life. And so I think what happens when we kind of put it more into the ritual Um, It becomes more work. There is no rest in in that in that religious um, kind of ritual. It's just more work.
0: Yeah, I think I think for me, you know, like very similar to you. I'm at church. We we moved here to be part of a church, you know, still like, you know, kind of in ministry circles and spaces. So it can feel so easy to be like, I'm still like I still spiritually resting, but then it was always doing and never taking any time to just be still each day. Um, or when I was still, I was thinking about cleaning the house or doing something. And so I really had to take, um, a new approach to my spiritual rest. And for a year, year and a half, it turned into a daily drive, um, you know, where I could just be quiet, not do, not be tempted to go fold laundry instead, you know, is the only time I could be still. And so I started these daily drives, which is so funny because, you know, it's still in motion, but but at least I could sit still and have some quiet space to think, to pray, to listen to music, you know, to just be. And that is really one of my weakest spots in life. But I also know I'm most unhappy when I don't make room for it. Absolutely. And,
1: you know, there's some interesting research. I mean, I'm a nerd at heart, so forgive me with the research references. But there's some really interesting research that deals with prayer that I found when I was writing Sacred Rest. And it dealt with how when we when we talk to God, when we pray that it's in our in our brain, the communication pattern is laid down in the same way as if I'm having a conversation with a person face to face. And I love that imagery because it what it tells me is if I allow myself to have an honest communication with God through the, the form of prayer, then there's a memory there of that prayer, just as if I'm having a conversation with a person face to face. And one thing I often tell my um, students when I'm doing like teen ministry because it's very hard for them to think about a relationship with God because you know for many of them they don't really they're just learning about relationships in general (laughs) you know they don't really understand relationships outside of their parental relationships and one thing I have them do is I ask them the question if God texts you today what would you need it to say for you to know that he truly understands what you're dealing with right now? And I have them text that to themselves because they understand relationship in the form of I text my friends. You know, I text people that I care about. And so they can start thinking about prayer as Ah, I get it. You know, this is this is basically the same. It's just communicating with God in a way where you're just being yourself. You're not coming with some flowery words or some, you know, pre-written up thing that you're going to say. You're just being yourself and being open.
0: Wow. I, I mean, that's fascinating that research shows that. That's really cool. I I would love to shift gears just a little bit. What would you say to the person right now? You know, we're, we're recording this right in the middle of, you know, Corona time. It is unprecedented. It's really scary. How do you recommend people resting when it feels like, okay, I might have time in my day. I have time I have never had before, but I can't mentally turn off. I am so plagued by anxiety that I literally can't even hear myself think, you know, how does someone actually learn to rest? Because this was me this time last year, um, when one of my businesses disappeared overnight, all of our income went away. I all of a sudden had a lot of time, but I felt like I couldn't rest. Because of the anxiety,
1: yes, and that's a great point. That with for the other with two of the types of rest, because what we're looking at, and that is mental rest that's needed, and some sensory rest that's needed as well. Because with mental with a mental rest deficit, what you're noticing is is that your mind automatically goes to the troubling thoughts, and so right now for many of us, you know, looking at this current season that we're in with COVID nineteen. We, we're seeing, you know, the news give us every, there's very little good news that we're hearing out of this process, you know, right now. And so one thing to keep in mind is information is good, but information can also be toxic. And so when you're receiving information, particularly news reports, and you're trying to stay abreast of a situation like this, that's constantly changing, you don't want to have ongoing consumption of the toxicity. So the virus you know, is, is gonna do what it's gonna do. You worrying about it doesn't change it, but you meditating on the toxicity and, and all the negative doesn't help you. It doesn't help your immune system stay strong. It doesn't help you mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So we have to put some limits and some boundaries on how much information we're going to allow ourselves to consume each day. For most of my patients, I recommend no more than two times a day to tune in to get the latest update. Mm -hmm. Take off the notifications where the news is binging every time something, you know, a a press release or whatever (laughs) comes up. Turn that off. You don't need to know every single thing that, you know, is happening along the way. You need a recap. And so morning, get a recap to see where things are at for that morning. You know, mid-afternoon, get another recap. Don't look at it at night right before you go to bed because all that's going to do is going to keep your thoughts tumbling through the night and it's going to make it more difficult to fall asleep. Uh, If you do find that your mind gets in what we call a mind tangle, you're running, you're ruminating over thoughts over and over again. It's like a, a, it's like a web that's just all tangled up and it won't break. What you can do to try to help break that up is what we call brain dumping. So whatever the ruminating thought is, whether that's fear, whether that's anxiety, whether that's how are the bills going to get paid? You know, my kid coughed two, two, two times today. What does that mean? Whatever the thought is, you write that down so that and the act of writing it down actually allows the brain to release that feeling that it has to hold on to the information because when you're ruminating over it, it's almost like studying for a test. The brain says, oh, this is important. I can't let this go because they're trying to remember it. When you write it down, it's like giving the brain permission to release it because now it's, it's contained in a safe location that's not going anywhere. And you can then allow the thought to dissipate so that you can then do some meditation or, or meditate on scripture or a word of the day, something to get your, your thought process is kind of back on a calm foundation.
0: Oh, that is good, man. The mental one and the sensory are also (laughs) big ones. I think all the rest of mine were depleted until this time last year, (laughs) literally every single one of them, but man, mental and sensory are huge. I mean, I run it. I ran an Instagram agency. I would travel around with nine phones at all times that were old. I I wasn't like, you know, rolling around with nine iPhone 11s, (laughs) but (laughs) But that's how we had to manage our clients because we had to put them on different phones for the software to carry out. And I would literally travel through the airport with nine iPhones. I looked like a drug dealer. And oh. So, um, Or then when I ended up hiring a team, Hannah would have to travel with the nine iPhones. And so it was always a hoot. But like that amount of sensory overhaul all the time was just, I mean, it, it took me six months to slow down at all, and I still feel like I call it coming home to myself, like discovering new parts of myself that I kind of put on a shelf for a season because I was just so overstimulated and burnt out and depleted in rest that it's been a long journey of recovery. So this is so timely, but, but I love what you had to say about this present season, turning the news off, checking in, being informed, but turning it off. My husband unfollowed, he's a news junkie, and I followed 58 news accounts. On oh, Friday. wow. And so I kind of just had to say, honey, like, you cannot consume this all the time. This, he would listen to podcasts while he's at work. He's an auditory learner. And I'm just like, this consumption is not going to serve you well in this season. And so let's turn it off and, you know, be informed and good citizens, but not consume it all day, every day. And so that's been a big way we're managing anxiety. What does gratitude have to play? Um, in this journey of renewal, recovery, creating new rhythms? Have you seen any connections
1: there? I have, particularly with creative rest. I feel that's one that many people probably... Are, re- are getting, but they don't really know what to call it. Um, if you're someone who's ever enjoyed just being out in nature, maybe going to the beach or being at the water just does something to you, you just feel better and you can't understand why. Um, going outside, taking a walk in the park, looking at the flowers, listening to the birds, all of these things speak to you. You know, they, they awaken something inside of you. And that's what creative rest is. It's that awe and wonder that's awakened when you allow yourself the space to appreciate beauty, not create beauty. So it's not like taking an art class, but it's like going to the um, museum and looking at art and allowing it to awaken something inside of you. And I think many people don't realize how how much they use of they, their creativity, just in the need to be innovative and to, you know, stay on the top of their game. If you're in marketing, I mean, you don't have to be an artist, have to be innovative, you know, marketing teachers, there's so many different uh, small business owners. There's so many different ways that people have to be innovative. A stay at home mom has to be innovative to be able to keep everybody kind of happy and active throughout the day when you have kids of different ages. And I think that creative rest lends itself to gratitude because even in the midst of when bad things are happening, when you look at creation and you look at kind of the beauty that's around us, then you have a reason to give thanks. And that beauty doesn't go away sometimes, even when your situation can be at its absolute worst.
0: Man, I, I mean, I, I can't agree more. And and I have found that when when my situations were at its absolute worst, gratitude was one of the first things that helped me get my my mental state and to slow down enough to be okay and to just recheck my brain when i felt like i couldn't rest it was the one practice that it could at least get me started um and it was really the only thing i could do for the first few months i couldn't i couldn't really tap into mental rest i couldn't really tap into spiritual rest quite yet it was like my first step. It was dipping my toes in the water of just even five minutes of rest a day by writing down what I'm grateful for. And I I have certainly um, seen the direct effects of that on my creativity. The parts of me that were once really innovative and really creative has started to come back this year in this season of rest. Uh, Let's talk about this real quick, because I, I ask this question a lot. Do you feel like people are unable to create at some point when they have no margin left in their day? and are no longer resting. Because for me, once I started rest, I became more creative again. It's like, oh, wow, I wasn't leaving any margin of my day to have any room for abstract thought, every single part of my day was allocated to doing something. And once I slowed down and implemented this rest, all of my creativity started surging.
1: Absolutely. That's why I really feel like a creative rest deficit is probably the biggest um, missed deficit that people have. So, like mm-hmm. I said, so many people feel like they are not creative because they're not musicians or artists and they don't realize that, you know, creativity is a part of every life where every job requires some level of creativity just to stay innovative and to stay, you know, stay relevant. And I feel like, honestly, when I look at the world, I always think about in situations like this when we're looking for, Vaccines, and we're looking for new ways to cure problems. I always think, how much further would we be if we were a generation that didn't think that grinding was the norm, and we actually saw a well-rested lifestyle as being the norm? Because then we would have a world full of people who would be pouring out of their overflow and not giving out of their their depletion.
0: Oh, that's good. (laughs) You could take me to church on that. That's good. Man, I could talk to you all day long about this. What would be some, some ways people can get started? Of course, I 10 out of 10 recommend grabbing your book um, because I think this is a time where we all have an invitation to start implementing rest into our lives. Um, I know that everywhere we look on social media right now, it might be like, what are you gonna do with your new time and how are you gonna be productive with it? But I would actually you know, point towards how are you gonna utilize this to create new rhythms of rest in your life Sandra, what would be some ways people can get started if they just feel like, I don't even know where to start on that?
1: Well, the first thing I would recommend, I have a free assessment at restquiz.com. It's, it's a comprehensive assessment. It takes about five or six minutes. I, I help people to consider it your virtual doctor's appointment because what it is, is a bit of a self-assessment for you to be able to determine what type of rest are you most in need of right now. So, you know, if you listen to all seven and you're like, oh, I need all seven. Well, all of us need all seven, but usually there's one or two that you're really deficient in. And those are the ones that are making you feel tired all the time, making you feel fatigued and drained and, you know, unhappy and lifeless and unsatisfied. So once you identify those one or two rest deficits that are most detrimental and you start implementing ways of restoring those types of rest, you can quickly see the improvements and then start working on building up on the others. And obviously, um, the book Sacred Rest, I, I In it, talk about many different ways of getting rest in all of the different seven types, as well as I talk about what I call the gifts of rest. And this goes over things like boundaries and reflection and communication and some of the things that happen when we rest better, because I think for many of us, we not only need to know how to apply rest in our day-to-day lives, you know, in the middle of all the busyness, but we also need to see what can I expect when I do this? You know, (laughs) what are, what are the extra bonuses that I get when I actually put in the work to get that, that rest I need?
0: You had me at boundaries. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not very good at that, um, but I'm working on it. It's been a, a journey. I didn't learn to set boundaries until I was 29. So here we are, um, <laughs> but man, you can't rest without them. And so, man, I am really thankful for this conversation today. I feel like it's so timely. I feel like it's going to be so helpful for people in truly an unprecedented time. And so thank you for joining us,
1: Sandra. Where can everyone find you? Keep up with you. Yes my main website is IChooseMyBestLife.com. feel free to check out check me out there there's lots of free resources I blog um, join my newsletter if you want to keep in touch with when I'm in your town I do a lot of speaking speaking at churches as well as um, mostly corporate speaking now um, as you know like I said we live out in a burnout world and that's become the norm and really we need to switch that around so we can get back to being our best selves
0: I am I, so thankful for your message. I know that I personally find it healing and encouraging to keep going on this rest journey when everyone else says hustle, you know, and so I am so thankful. Thanks again for joining us today. cozy up for the holidays with 60% off everything at Banana Republic Factory, including soft sweaters, comfy pajamas, must-have gifts, and more from $9.99. Find your nearest store now, only at Banana Republic Factory. Get 50 through 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Plus, shop new doorbusters for the family, including outerwear, jeans, and our Gap logo crewneck sweatshirt. Find it all at Gap Factory or GapFactory.com through December 14th.